Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 8, Episode 14, Santa Knows. Mary, what happened this week? Donna and Noah have a fight over Noah hiring a stripper Santa for a private party at the pee pad. A stripper Santa Donna just tried to show a six- or seven-year-old to bolster his belief in Christmas magic. And also, I guess, that Noah has some of the qualities Donna disliked most about David, such as working at the pee pad with Val. But they make up after Noah apologizes to Donna at work of all places, and Donna makes the inside of Noah's boat look like Christmas in Whoville. David interferes a little bit more in Ben's life, making sure he has a safe place to stay for Christmas, and having another conversation with Ben's parents about why they suck. I will relent that interference in this case was necessary, and it had the bonus effect of making Val go, Huh, David, watching you care for that traumatized child made me remember the times that we had trauma together. And just like that, fake dating becomes less fake. Can I just say, like, how much I identify with the last bit of Mary's synopsis? Like, the fact that even though it's fake dating, there's, like, clearly history, so therefore their history is trauma, so their current present is trauma. It just, oh, Val, David, I can only shake my head. I can only shake my head, but I'm still, like, never stop. Oh, 100%. I'm, like, kind of on board with it. Keep this going for the next three seasons. Fake date through the end of the series. (laughs) Fake date all the way up to a proposal to someone else. (laughs) Okay. What if that turned into the thing? He was like, yeah, this is my 75-step plan to not only get Donna back, but also to propose to her. It's the longest long con ever. (laughs) Literally in, like, 50 episodes, he's going to be like, surprise. (laughs) down on one knee anyway I just I I feel like the biggest thing that I take away from the Donna Val Noah side of what happens to David this week is that Christmas is Donna's birthday and no one acknowledges it not a single person I was waiting too because I was like oh that's fine if it's like a few days leading up you know because like the whole Christmas episode, like, Santa stuff we'll get to, but, like, sending a letter to Santa, that's a process that you don't do on Christmas. You do it before Christmas. I'm like, okay, this is a Christmas-themed episode, not a Christmas episode. But no, it's literally Christmas, and nobody talks about Donna's birthday, not even Donna. Not even a little bit. And Noah's like, yeah, I spend Christmas at a bar. I was like, yeah, not this year you don't. Right? This year you do whatever Donna wants. (laughs) Have you thought about birds? Right? Like, I just, yeah. It really bothered me that nobody talked about Donna's birthday. It bothered me so much. And then she and Noah are just, like, not on the same page about Christmas. And it takes so long for him to get there for her. And I was like, I, it's just because it's her birthday. Like, you have to do something yeah. for her. If she wants the things, like, especially in your 20s, yes. this is the whole, like, My birthday is the month, and, like, it's my birthday. It's really important. Like, maybe by the time you hit 33, you stop caring so much, but at 22, 23, you care. Dude, I don't know. I just spent a whole week to 10 days worth of my birthday, so (laughs) – and I'm 33, so – 
I'm going to another country for my birthday. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm making it big. But like, but for real, 22, yeah, you do it big. Or at least you make a point to acknowledge it. And you've only been dating for a couple of weeks, maybe. So like, this is really the first big test of the relationship. Yep. Agreed. And I mean, truly, like, that's all I have to say about their side of things. I don't remember really much else coming up. I mean, the fake dating exists throughout this whole storyline because one of the very first things that happens is when Val pulls David into the room and they talk about this fake dating and Val calls Noah a war frat. How did, like, how did she find out? I don't know. I was like, is this just what we all knew? We all were secretly calling him Warfrat and <laughs> Noah just had no idea. He thinks he's making friends and they're just like, God, this poor guy will not stop following us around. See, what I think happened is Felice told – said it in front of Donna, right? Felice also called David because apparently she's team David now. She mentioned, do you know my daughter is – hooking up with this wharf rat and he's like who noah <laughs> so then he tells val because obviously and now val has it in her hands and will never let it go as she should like, <laughs> yeah i would be using this for the rest of my life i'd be like yeah i'm in love with a wharf rat what about it right be like i'm literally worth billions what are you doing exactly and then I mean, other than uh, Stripper Santa, I think the rest of it is really just David and Ben, right? I mean, there's little stuff that comes up. At the very end, Donna decorates Noah's boat, but. Yeah, I'm like scrolling through my notes to see where, if anything, you know, there was any other comments that I had about like, like you said, the the non-David Ben stuff. Um yeah, let's see. Oh, there was the part where Noah shows up at Donna's photo shoot because all she does is photo shoots. And right. all anyone else does is show up at their friend's work at really unprofessional times. Yep. No, I agree. Like, I think I wrote that down, too. And I'm I'm getting there eventually, I promise. And, oh, here it is. Yeah, I literally said Donna has a photo shoot going on and Noah shows up. Donna says he can't be there and he doesn't understand that this is her place of work. Like, literally, she's like, you can't be here. And he was like, what? Yes, I can. Like, I don't think he says that. But, like, he basically does. Yeah, I do think he's like, oh, I'll just, like, stand here until you're not busy. I'll wait for you to go on your break. And she's like, no, that's not – you have to leave. I'm in the middle of a day. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what I was watching or what you just said just reminded me of. But it was like – Oh, it was Gilmore Girls. Yes. It's exactly when Lorelai is doing the test run at the end and Jason comes and she didn't invite him. And he's like, we need to talk about our relationship. And she's like, what relationship? We broke up. And he was like, well, I just want to talk about it. And she's like, I can't talk about it. And he's like, um, okay, well, what about when you have a break? And she's like, I won't have a break for two days. And he's like, what kind of establishment is it? Like, you know, it's like a bit, right? But it's, yeah, it's like literally like the, I'm at work. You can't just come here and talk about personal stuff at my place of work. It's so, I understand why TV shows do this, mm -hmm. but I'm like, at least acknowledge it. Like, I guess Donna is. I don't know. I, I do really look forward to the days where 
the people that constantly do this are really busy at work and then somebody else shows up and they're like, no, you need to talk to me right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I just mm-hmm. want you to experience it. Noah, I want you to have your job that like has demands of you in the moment because I get the feeling that like boat fixing has deadlines, but that it's basically as long as you get the work done by the deadline sure. versus running a photo shoot. It's like, no, we have to stay on our schedule so we can keep the light or we have to keep the club going so that we can make the money to keep the club going. Yeah, totally. Just, yeah. But that's that's really it. I mean, Donna and Noah are, I think, very quickly turning into a boring couple where like their conflict this week was that he doesn't like Christmas. So she put up lights. Yeah. And that she's afraid that this relationship is going to be the exact same as her and David's was because of Valerie, like not because of personalities or really anything else, except that Noah is now working at the peach pit after dark and Valerie is too. Which is kind of played out on the show. How many couples are just like, we can't be together because Valerie exists. Right? Like, we've already had it with Brandon and Kelly. We've already had it with David and Donna. Now we have it with Noah and Donna. We almost literally, and we kind of had it with, like, the Noah Val rich guy thing, too. Rich guy. (laughs) He was just here. I don't remember his name. Other rich guy. (laughs) (laughs) What was his name? I don't remember. Grayson? No, that's Cooper. not right. Cooper. Cooper Hargrove? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay. But yeah, I mean, so on the other side of all this, you've got the fake dating, the relationship with Christmas thing happening. Mm-hmm. But then David's also still working at the car wash with Ben, who we've seen before. The only comment John had while watching the end of this episode with me is that the actor who plays Ben looks so old. He was like, that is not a high schooler. Interesting. He was convinced. He stood there like brewing coffee. He was like, no, that man is old. Huh. I didn't really get that vibe, but maybe it's because like my own like little biases around like blonde boys, like for some reason, blondies like don't age as fast as brunettes. But I think it's because like, Think about how many blonde beards there are or mustaches or facial hair of some sort. There's just not that many. So if you're clean shaven, sometimes, not always, but sometimes you tend to look a little bit younger. Whereas like David's got more scruff, right? So he looks older. But sure. I mean, it probably doesn't help that the people pretending to be 22 are already in their 30s. So like if that kid is 28, we're not noticing. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good point. But, I mean, there's this whole thing, you know, it is Christmas, Ben's staying at the car wash, and David keeps trying to offer up, like, oh, you know, you could come stay with my friends, they'd be totally chill with that, which, I'm not going to lie, I would not be upset if Castle Walsh turned into a house where, like, seven people had to live together. I just, I love the idea that David's like, oh, yeah, Brandon and Kelly will totally let you stay there, it's fine, don't worry about it. Well, and I think, too, like, it... It's a good um, – it's not like the third place, you know, like Central Perk and Friends or 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 um, the bar and How I Met Your Mother, McLaren's. But it's like they already have enough locations that this is a good one to – outside of the pee pad to like 
group everybody together. You can have mm-hmm. a lot more scenes like in bedrooms, in the living room, in the kitchen, and you don't need Noah showing up at Donna's work, you mm-hmm. know, like, so I'd be cool with it for that reason. Right? Like, I feel like we used to have it and then they hit adulthood and they started spreading out because yeah. in high school, we had the high school. In college, we had the college. Now they've all got different places that they go to work. And then we also have multiple places where they live. Donna lives alone in a three-bedroom apartment right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, like, that stresses me out that we're not just, like, three individual places to live and mm-hmm. they're all just smushed together. Right. But, you know, David invites Ben to come spend Christmas at Casa Walsh, but he also finds presents that Ben has bought for his parents. Yeah, and he's just kind of got this, like, false hope or wishful thinking that his parents, like, won't stay mad at him forever. And, I mean, like, this is truly just a little boy who wants his family, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's so sad. And, of course, like, it makes total sense why he would buy them presents because he's trying to do anything he possibly can to get them to not be upset at who he is. Mm -hmm. And so it's just – it's so sad. It's so heartbreaking. I mean – like, the scene when he shows up at the house and his mom won't even, like, touch the presents. She's like, you can't put them under the tree because your dad's going to know that you're who they're from. Mm. And the, this whole time that she seems so scared about upsetting her father, his father mm-hmm. also really bothered me. Like, I know the whole thing is just to put Ben alone and then yeah. really put a lot of the, like, his dad hates that he's gay. His mom isn't strong enough to stand up for him. Like, I think very clear – character tropes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like it was so heartbreaking when she is just like the floor is lava with the presents and won't touch them right and like we can talk about obviously some of the 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 various not great ways that this storyline is handled mm-hmm. um but i i actually really loved david in this scene because he's like first he's observing Then he sees there's conflict and he's like, okay, hold on. Let me like protect Ben, right? Like not in an aggressive way, but let me just like get closer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is where the conversation happens a little bit more. And the mom, like you said, is not strong enough to stand up to the dad. So she's just kind of saying like, your dad's not going to like this. He's going to be home soon. And does the whole like your dad had so many dreams for you, which is terrible on so many levels. Um, But when Ben runs back, I really appreciated what David says because, like, the mom says, I'm just so scared for him. And David's like, well, you should be. But not because he's gay, but because he's 17 years old and living in a car wash. And I think that's kind of the thing. It's like the parents are so willing to just not care about his well-being simply for who he loves like it's it's absolutely like it's it's so common to be easily distracted by what the real problem is mm-hmm. you know and so I just I, I really appreciated that line and also how Brian Austin Green like read it too because it was very deliberate mm-hmm. yeah I I had a few moments in this where I was trying to battle between okay should David be getting out of the car and defending right. Ben or should he just be like the support system in the background but I think it makes sense that he got out of the car I mean this is the kind of group of kids that we've followed around where like they'll do what is right it may take them a minute 
And historically, David has put this off for a while before doing the right thing. So I feel like mm-hmm. he's jumping in and trying to help give another perspective to Ben's mom at the right time. Like he's just like, yeah. no, you like, okay, whatever. You don't want the presence. That's fine. You do need to consider the fact of what you're doing to your son. Yeah. And I love that he keeps trying. You know, he he has that moment with Ben. He's the one that drove him. He drives him back to the car wash later. And then the next time we see them, David is telling Ben about the foundation that Kelly works for. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, she has a ton of connections here. She has a ton of experience. I'm sure we can figure something else out for you. And Ben starts giving this really like final conversation kind of a thing where he's like, no, I actually called my aunt and uncle who we've always been really close and they love me and they're going to help me. So it's fine. I'm going to go be with them. Problem solved. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't necessarily clock it at the time, but then when he says, you know, he like David gives him a hug and Ben says that David was the only one who was cool about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. At the time I was like, like I heard it and I was like, does this mean something? You know, but like, It just didn't even Mm -hmm. really occur to me. But yeah, fortunately, it's like unfortunately, but fortunately, like fortunately, David picks up what he's putting down and not a second too soon. Right. Mm -hmm. Like because then the next time we see them, he like busts into the car wash. And here's the unfortunately part is that David's just like super aggressive like he's so abrasive, he's so yelly and mm-hmm. it's just not the way to handle somebody who's dealing with trauma like this. Yeah, I this is kind of a thing that again, I think it's like a choice of the writers and the showrunners that for some reason when these things happen so many times we just immediately jump first to yelling at each other about these things. Yeah. Like I I don't know if like I guess being scared straight was like the way to do it in the 90s but this is this is very much not how this should be handled and I kind of hate that it works I'm glad it works obviously yeah but like at the very least I wish Ben would have just been like why are you yelling at me how is this helping yeah yeah because to your point it's like I guess it's like this scared thing, but to me, it just feels more like guilt, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're put like by yelling at Ben, David is making him feel guilty for these intrusive and and negative thoughts, right? Like instead of, I don't know, David, your mom was literally suicidal. You have been experiencing that kind of pain too. You would think like he would understand Maybe not necessarily the perfect right way to handle it, but at least come at it from an angle of, like, I've been there, mm-hmm. not why are you being like this? You know, it just felt like he was approaching it and trying to make um, Ben feel guilty for the ways he was feeling instead of trying to be like, you're not alone. I've been where you're at. Like, I can't understand everything, but I understand feeling alone and feeling scared. Like, like stuff like that, especially, like, again – himself but even if he can't get there with himself and be that vulnerable thinking about his own mother Mm -hmm. yeah and that's actually like kind of a really good segue into the next time we see them because 
David ends up spending all night with Ben. At some point, they transition back to Casa Walsh where Ben is sleeping on the couch. Yeah. And David tells Val everything. And so, you know, talking about like shared trauma and like the way that people talk to you when you're having those thoughts and feelings, like think of what happened when David was feeling like this and Val took him to a ledge and basically dared him to jump. Like Exactly. I don't understand what these people are doing. But no, I'm with you on it. It just and, – and maybe, you know, again, like this was 25 years ago. Like I know times have changed and that's a good thing. And and we're clearly looking at it at a lens, from a lens of today. But it just – yeah, it just, it, it just is – it's a little – to me, it's very risky to approach it from that kind of like emotion, right? Because mm-hmm. I just think about all the times like when I would threaten to do something, obviously not like something as serious as, as this, but like when I was a kid, I would threaten to do something and my mom would like literally or or any parent would look at any adult rather would stare at me and be like, I dare you. You know, it's like that's pretty risky. Like they're putting that decision into my hands when it could be potentially bad. And in this case, like, I feel like David's saying the same thing. Not in so many words, but just kind of, like, again, guilting him into it. And I don't know. But anyway, the moral of the story is, thankfully, it it stops Ben. And, yeah, he's, like, got a place to stay for the time being at Castle Walsh. And, like, I do kind of appreciate that, like, David and Val talk about it together. But, I mean, moral of the story, like, Ben you know, he's okay. And for the time being, he's at Casa Walsh. He's got a place to stay for the time being. And I do kind of appreciate that, like, David was honest with Val. Like, we, you know, we just talked about how we feel about their trauma bond and whatnot. And of course, like the experience they had earlier when they were together or not together, whatever. But this was something that David didn't do with Donna. He wasn't mm-hmm. upfront with her. He lied to her. Granted, this has nothing to do with David. So I think maybe that's why he's being honest. But at least he's telling somebody and not shouldering something like this on his own. Yeah, completely agree. I think it's probably easier for him because it's not something he did. But it's something that like he feels he needs to handle. And he's at yeah. least talking to someone about it. He's not just immediately repeating the same mistakes he's been having. Right, right. Yeah. And – You know, it kind of continues from there in both a good and a bad where David goes to Ben's parents and tells them everything that was happening. And he gets, I think, rightfully angry with everyone. I mean, Ben's dad sucks. Oh, my God. Unequivocally, Ben's parents are garbage. They are terrible people who just need to get over themselves and learn to be humans. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, David – Everyone, I think everyone spends quite a bit of time just, like, angry in this storyline. Oh, and then when Ben's dad did the whole, like, Ben made his choices. Like, I didn't even write down any quotes in that scene because it was so hard to hear somebody legitimately say about anybody but their child mm-hmm. and I mean even like the only thing I wrote down I didn't write it quote for quote but David says like he he like accuses his dad Ben's dad of like killing him already and I'm like mm-hmm. holy shit like 
and, and like he doesn't care like his dad doesn't give like any shits whatsoever and just threatens to call the police on david i'm like how miserable are you right i'm like at this point you should really be taking a look in the mirror because like mm-hmm. how can you possibly think that yeah it's horrible and absolutely awful and like i don't know it just it really explains a lot about what's going on with ben because then he even tries to sneak out so mm-hmm. that he doesn't have to say goodbye to David and, you know, presumably go back to exactly what he had been planning earlier. Right. Uh, and thankfully Val talks him out of it. She kind of does the same, like, accusatory thing that she's did with David where she's like, what? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, but she tells him, like, oh, you know, show these people with your life. Like, go be – successful in life and love and whatever you end up doing and just show them that instead of doing what you're doing because that's not going to help anybody yeah I mean I I I did I was like what is with this tough love thing like truly I was like why is everyone yelling at the victims I know and and like yeah like you said like I do appreciate what she says at the end there but like I was like, man, this is so risky. It's wild. And then, like, it gets to Christmas Eve because they Mm. always have the Christmas Eve party at Casa Walsh and Ben is there. And his family shows up because when David went to see them, he was like, this is where Ben is staying if you want to try and undo what you've done. Right. And they take advantage of it and they come to see Ben and they're basically just like, we want you to come home. And I I didn't write a lot of quotes, so I'm probably not getting this verbatim, but I wrote in my notes, he says he'll still be gay after Christmas. Yeah. Which is just a fun way of saying that. But in a yeah. very serious way, he's like, look, you don't get like Christmas cheer. You don't get to be the like, we went to church our one day out of the year and we feel good now. Come home with us. Like mm-hmm. you really have to commit to this life of being my parents. And it just – I don't know. It bothers me so much that all the yelling and the tough love worked. Like, again, yeah, glad it worked. Love the outcome. Hated the journey. Well, and hated that his dad literally never said the words, I'm sorry. That's the thing. Like, everyone in Casa Wall should be like, Ben, can we go in the other room and just, like, talk to you about this? Like, yeah. away from your parents. Not put you on the spot. Even if it's just you and Val or you and David and Val, whatever. Like, maybe go take a minute and think about this. Yeah. Because, like, it felt – and it felt like maybe, just maybe, his mom didn't so much stand up for Ben, but, like, fed the dad the lines to say, mm-hmm. right? Like, he, his dad says, I just want the best for you, and I guess that's his apology. Like – that was the closest they got to an apology. He says he'll try. And he but he said, I'm going to try, but I'm going to keep screwing up. Yeah. He says, I don't understand, but I'll try. And I'm, and just, I'm like, like, you don't have to understand. Like, you can literally recognize that who – like, you can recognize that your son is gay without having to fully understand it. It is not your responsibility to understand. It is your responsibility to love him unconditionally. That is your responsibility. Yeah. So Ben goes home. With his non-apologetic father and his mother. And 
the only last bit I'll say about like David Val all that is they go outside later that evening and they're like reminiscing over the quote unquote real stuff they've been through together, right? AKA the trauma bond. Mm-hmm. When they're like, holy shit, all the heavy stuff that's happened in my life, you've basically been a part of. And they then kiss for real, it seems, right? Like it seemed like a genuine moment. It- and they get interrupted by Nat, which we'll get to, which yeah. at first I was like, oh my God, please don't let Nat have a- something wrong with him. <laughs> I do not understand why like it is contractually obligated now Pusigio in this episode mm-hmm. absolutely but yeah I thought it was a genuine kiss too but now that we're talking about it I'm like I don't know there's a lot of like amorous or uh non-romantic mouth kissing that happens mm. on this show so like True. maybe they're literally just friend kissing yeah and it could just be like a a little bit of adrenaline dopamine situation and they're like let's kiss it out (laughs) i mean what else do you do when you save a sad gay teen and send them back to their parents (laughs) just a little kissy in the backyard i got no other no other options so (laughs) i guess i'll hang out with val oh god that would be the worst (laughs) mary what else happened this week When Zach's friend Billy tells him there is no Santa Claus, Carly is pretty sure he's going to have a terrible Christmas. But Steve helps Carly bring a little extra magic to the holiday for her son, which turns out to be the perfect Christmas gift for her, which is great because Steve has absolutely no idea what the hell she wants and she won't tell him. (laughs) Okay, I have several things to say. Several? Okay. (laughs) I just remembered when Mary said that my nightmare is someone not telling me at all the kind of thing they want for Christmas. I hate it just like, no, you have to figure it out. I'm like, well, then you're getting money. Yeah, right? Yeah, you're getting a gift card to Chick-fil-A. Like, you know, it's something easily – yeah. No, I agree. I I very much – yes, I very much agree with this, actually, now that I think about it. Because literally Nate, like, he's not a big birthday guy, and his birthday was yesterday. And I was like, what do you want for your birthday? And he was like, mm, I don't really need anything. And I'm like, I have to get you something. Like, you're my husband. I have to get you something. And so I did. But it was the most practical gifts in the world. It's like a bag of Skittles. I'm not joking. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I do remember, I think it was Christmas one year, that someone in your family got him like a tub of popcorn and he loved it. Yes, my mom did. <laughs> That's who it was. I remember that because he had like the trio tub of popcorn. And he was just so happy. Just like, choose popcorn. She's yeah. popcorn. That same year, he, my mom also got him a pair of pajama pants with the Grinch on them because my mom calls him the Grinch because he's not like a, it's not that he's not a Christmas guy. He's just not a gift guy. So, yeah. <laughs> and he well, loved him. <laughs> and you know what? Steve's really bad at gifts. So, like, Carly so bad. should have been aware of this. Mm-hmm. And then also, screw Billy. Yeah, God, if I have a child and my child ends up like Billy, absolutely not. Like, what do I do with that child? That's everything I hear. Like, when my niece was born, my brother was like, we're not going to lie to her about Santa. And everyone was like, that's not the problem. The problem is every other parent that's going to lie about Santa. And then you're going to have a five-year-old who says Santa doesn't exist. Like, every time you hear, like, a Jewish comedian, they're like, we were sworn to secrecy. Like, yeah, we all knew and we were not allowed to tell the other kids until they figured it out on their own. Yep. It's just how it's just one of those things. 
Yeah. Which is, ironically, that's how I found out that Santa wasn't real, is a Jewish friend was just like, no, he's not real. It's just your parents. (laughs) Like, six or seven-year-old me was just like, I knew that. Yeah. Right? No, I found out because there was a Walmart sticker on one of my toys. <laughs> you know what? Santa's got to buy a lot of toys. You're going to have to get used to the fact that he's shopping at the big box store. <laughs> yeah. He gets hella discounts. <laughs> he was a part of Walmart Plus before they even knew Walmart Plus existed. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but, like, I got to be honest. That's really all I have to say. Like, Carly and Steve have this incredibly boring story that I kind of think – has to do with the fact that we jumped straight to five-year-old. Like, I just Mm. think that's less interesting because then, like, the kid needs the constant attention. It's not like a baby that you can be like, oh, it's asleep in the other room. Right, right. Or, oh, it's at his grandparents' house. Which we literally just got rid of grandma, so there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think the only other thing I had to say was, like, I want to say it was when Steve was, like, helping pull the Christmas tree in to Carly's house this was the first time I was like, wow, this house is built on a stage. Like, it just everything around it looked so fake. You know, like that one time we saw the the ceiling or lack mm. thereof in Casa Walsh. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, that's fake sky. That's fake trees. That's we're literally on a soundstage. And this is just like the exterior of the house. And when you go inside, it's like they just built one wall. Right. I was like, oh. They didn't do a good job hiding this this time. Yeah, I don't know how often we even see that angle. So what if they just yeah. like hadn't prepared for having like the tree as well? Mm-hmm. It very much made me think of like every um, Christmas or holiday production at like a church or a school where you just build like the one – Like where you go in the, you know, you swing the door open and closed and Mm. it's just that one wall. Like that's what it made me think of. And I was like, oh my God, they have so much more money than every church or school play (laughs) I've ever seen. Like, please tell me it was better than this. (laughs) No, they had to spend it on stripper Santa. (laughs) They had too many guest stars and extras this week. I mean, we've got like literally they've got a whole Christmas party where they had to get all those extras and the stripper Mm -hmm. Santa. You got to get Nat's. Uh, Santa outfit back out and bring Nat back. You got to build a tree house in the backyard. True. They, were, they had a lot going on in this episode for like none of it to pan out. Yes. Set deck was busy. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And then I think the last time that we see Zach is like in that last scene where they're at Casa Walsh for Christmas Eve. I guess it's not like the last scene, but mm-hmm. Steve. So. Zach had filled out half of his Christmas list before he, like, really lost all of his faith in Santa. So Steve goes ahead and builds the whole Christmas list. That's Carly's gift, too, of giving him a good Christmas. Mm-hmm. And while Zach is in the treehouse, that's when Nat comes out and interrupts Val and David because he's lost his keys but is acting like he is drunk. Yeah, right? Like, it was bad. And for some reason – like, he's acting so silly. He's like, ho, 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 to no one. <laughs> he's like, oh, this is going to be a great Christmas. Like, I'm like, yeah. what is happening? <laughs> and Zach is just like, oh, my God, Santa is real. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nat has a kid and a wife. Right? Go where's, home, sir. <laughs> where's Joni? And 
baby Anthony. Was that his name? I don't remember. I always forget. I'm going to tell you, Lamp Store is closed right now. Go home. <laughs> lamp Store closed at five. Like, <laughs> I was God. furious. As soon as he showed up, I was like, why is he here? Steve can wear a Santa costume. Seriously, though. Like, any of them. Do you think Zach gives a hoot whether Noah's there or not? Like, you could just put Ben in the costume. Oh, my God, yes. Like, take the person who's unfamiliar to Zach and throw him in a costume. Yeah, then everyone he knows is in the room, and then there's also Santa. Right. So it's the whole, like, oh, well, I've never seen you and Batman in a room together. You'd be like, you literally have seen us in the room with Santa. (laughs) It can't be us. Exactly. And that's that's it. I I have nothing else. I have nothing else to say. Mary, what else happened this week? Kelly attempts to tell Foundation Director Audrey about Dr. Monaghan's shitty behavior, but she doesn't when, from her position, it looks like it will be best for the clinic and its patients to talk Dr. Monaghan up to the other Foundation Directors at a fundraising event. Unfortunately, Dr. Monaghan is grateful for Kelly's kind words, and he tries to thank her with kisses. Weirdly, none of the party guests think anything of it when Kelly storms out of a room that Dr. Monaghan just dragged her into alone in front of everybody and closed the door. After this incident, Kelly more seriously considers pressing charges against Dr. Monaghan for sexual harassment, but also she deserves an early Christmas present from Brandon. How about this one? Oh, how nice. It's a men's watch that was definitely not a thanks for letting me seduce you slash Christmas gift from Emma to Brandon. Okay, I hate the Emma storyline because of the cheating. 100%. I think it could have been more fascinating maybe if there was, you know, a little bit more time since Kelly was shot and had amnesia and they all went to Hawaii together. Like maybe we give it a little bit of a buffer before Brandon cheats on her Mm -hmm. because I think it's interesting that Emma is supposedly writing this series of like op-ed columns, like they're not news articles. They're just essays, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But that she's writing these essays that are autobiographical and Kelly doesn't see it. And Kelly actually, from the outside perspective, obviously, like, you know, biased towards the other direction, she's like, I actually agree with this girl and maybe they're meant to be together and she should go for it. I think that's yeah. fascinating. I think so, too. I, yeah, I think so, too. I don't know. I'm conflicted because I never want infidelity as a storyline. I think it's super lazy. I think it's easy. And I think it's completely uninteresting. But I agree that in some sort of way, this could be interesting. Just Mm -hmm. maybe not make Brandon the one that's cheating. Or maybe make, like, there be flirting but know what happens in this freaking episode. Right? It really bothers me how in the story, like going back to the actual scene, you know, where Emma and Kelly are talking in the kitchen while Brandon is cleaning up dinner. Like it really bothers me, or I guess it's vice versa, because Kelly gets up from the table and Emma starts rubbing Brandon's leg right in front of her, like on the side of the table where Kelly should be able to see them. And she's just so completely oblivious. And I'm like, this is just like – 
the cheating was already bad. Now it's just like disgusting that it is literally happening in Kelly's house under Kelly's nose, literally directly under her nose. She is standing above you while you're doing this. Yeah. And it's, it also like, I I have a hard time in this storyline too, because obviously I'm very mad at Emma, right? Mm -hmm. But I still should be way more mad at Brandon. Yeah. Brandon, like, Emma would have gotten away with her behavior if she had stopped going after him when she found out he was with Kelly. Yeah. The fact that she's still continuing it now makes her culpable as well. But, like, Brandon has been culpable this whole time. Exactly. And continues to lie and continues to, like, not tell – like, what he should have done is tell Kelly. Yes. Immediately. Not not what happens later in this episode. Oh, my God. And, like – the fact that she still keeps showing up at the Beverly Beat and he's not maintaining distance between them and he's just like gently suggesting that she leaves. And then when she says no, I feel like, you know, he's like, I've tried nothing and I'm all out of ideas. What do I do? How do I get rid of her? Mm-hmm. He's There are multiple scenes where he's just like, I'm attracted to you, but I can't do anything about it because my girlfriend, which like – you know, from Emma's point of view, is probably just like, I just need to get him to leave his girlfriend. Exactly. And like, yeah, exactly as you just said, he keeps saying things like, I'm attracted to you, but I can't. It's not that he won't and doesn't shut it down completely. And and for me, like, I'm sitting over here saying, if you're attracted to her, to her, to the point where you're willing to fuck everything up, just go be with her. Break up with Kelly, have more respect for your girlfriend, and go be with Emma. If that is what you want and you clearly can't, quote unquote, can't stop yourself, break it off. Break it off. It's going to be worse when it all comes out later or when you have to hide it from her for the rest of your relationship. Like, I don't understand how Brandon doesn't get this by now. Like, you've got to have open and honest communication. Literally, David and Donna just blew up because of open and honest communication. Exactly. God. And, and like, it's literally, like, we just said, like, it's it's not that he won't, it's that he can't. And then Emma calls him and is like, my email isn't working, which, I don't know, maybe that was a thing in the 90s, but, like, I promise you that's not a thing now. You just use yeah. a different email address. Or, but, yeah, you drop it off and I, whatever. Yeah, but all to get Brandon to come to her apartment for the floppy disk because – that's this is an urgent newspaper matter you know if it is and terry just had to sit in the office waiting for brandon to go to emma's and get the floppy disk and come back maybe i just i actually literally have in my notes i was like terry should make more money than brandon and steve combined right (laughs) from this scene where steve is trying to get them to help him pick out a gift for Carly. I was mm-hmm. just like, Terry needs more money. Give yeah. her more money. A hundred percent. But all that to say, like, Brandon goes to this apartment where she hands him a floppy disk and then they bang. Like, mm. I was furious. I was so mad. And then, like, it, it was way more gratuitous than it needed to be because it's cheating as well. So, like, I'm I'm not really a prude. Like, I don't care But the fact that they're, like, giving it this, like, gaze and making it romantic and they're in the bed together and he's cheating on his girlfriend. Totally agree. Like, it was so gratuitous and gross. And, like, they made it – 
romantic, like you said. And it's like, I, I don't feel romantic feelings for this couple. Like, yeah. Why, why are you giving me more attention to a sex scene between Brandon and, and Emma than you do Brandon and Kelly? Yeah. It's like, stupid and I hate it. I don't think we've seen anything like this except for like Donna and David. Right. And that he was even like a fade to black before anything happened. And now we're like, I don't know, they graduated college and they were like, no, we're going to grow up into like a full sex show. And I'm like, that's great. But this is where you decide to like really go into it. Like, right. must we? I know. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. And then like he's got clear like guilty face on him for the rest of the mm-hmm. episode. And I'm like, you just need to tell. You need to just like stop what you're doing. And they do that thing that happens in TV that I've never seen in real life but like could maybe happen where he gets home and he's putting more presents under the tree because he feels guilty so he bought someone's love without them realizing. Yeah. And Kelly comes down and wants to open a present and he's like, now you know we don't open presents before Christmas. And she's like, well, what if we just cheat? And he's like, what? Why would you say that word? Right. And I was like, because you still smell like Emma's perfume. Okay. That was my thought was like – either the smell of his clothes or because they kiss I'm like I would hope I would know if I kissed my significant other's lips that I could tell that he had just kissed somebody else or banged somebody else like (laughs) right gross I just yeah that was the other thing I was like Brandon you need to go take a shower you need to go like pretend you worked in the office all night like we need to put at least a little bit of distance here because it's already skeevy enough and now like Mm -hmm. yeah you probably still smell like her laundry detergent or something like yep no I hate it and I just the next day Emma is like immediately all over Brandon it's it's Christmas at this point right I think Christmas Eve last night Mm mm-hmm or is this Christmas Eve? I, since we're talking a little out of order, I'm getting a little confused. I think this is Christmas Eve. Maybe. Yes. Yes, it's yes. Because this is the, the same night they have the party. Yes. Okay. So it's Christmas Eve, so nobody's working, but Brandon's in, and Emma comes in, and she makes a point to say, like, oh, yeah, you know, no one's going to be in today until Terry gets in at noon. Again, Terry should make so much money if she has to come in at noon on Christmas Eve. Oh, my God. Seriously, though. But, like – She's being, again, real gross, not because I'm a prude, but because you're having an affair where she's like, oh, I think your watch bruised my wrists. Please cut this. When she said, my wrist is sore, dot, 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 from the watch, I was like, no, no. (laughs) No. Like, she waited way too long to say, from your watch, or whatever. I was like, God! (laughs) Okay, probably a directing choice or something that, like, multiple people had to get on board for, where they were like, wait, wait. (laughs) From the watch. God. I just... And he, like, he's... uh... It's still the Brandon, like, guilty face. Like, he feels – or he, like, immediately gets up. He's not talking to her very much. And then she hands him this present. And then he's, like – this is, again, like, to me, 
I think I've mentioned this a couple episodes ago or maybe last episode where it was like, it feels out of character for Brandon because he says he didn't know how wrong all of this would feel. Mm -mm. And I don't understand that because of course you did. You have literally been in an affair sort of with Kelly and Dylan. That's what I like. This is not new territory. For this group of friends. And, like, Brandon is always supposed to be the moral compass. So for him to say I had no idea how bad this would feel, I went off in my notes. I was like, oh, cheating on your long-term girlfriend, the love of your life, Kelly? You didn't know how that would feel? Right? Like Like the person you proposed to and the person you kept the ring for and the person you, like, still fully intend to give that ring to again? Yeah. Like, no. Get over yourself. You can't. You can't have it both ways. You can't have the affair and then claim that you didn't know it would feel so wrong. Like you, right. you cannot do it. If we're gonna, if the show is gonna hold Brandon to the higher standard, then I'm gonna jump in on that as well. You can't do it. Yes, a hundred percent, totally agree. And he really does have these like two different lives where he's got, you know, at the newspaper where Emma is trying to like get him alone all the time and get him over to her apartment, and then he like comes home and plays the ever-loving, dutiful boyfriend for Kelly when she has to go to the clinic. And like, you know, I think Mary covered the clinic stuff pretty succinctly where like this is the recurring issue with Dr. Monaghan. And rather than actually get to tell her story, Kelly ends up kind of getting cornered into like, well, for the good of the foundation, we need to talk him up. So Kelly is now required to say nice things about this man who is sexually harassing her at work. Right. And she, she does it. And he thanks her by sexually harassing her at work. It just. It was like we have known where this storyline was going to go since, you know, this happened. Right. Like since we first Mm -hmm. saw the harassment, but it doesn't make it any easier once we actually see like a, you know, another woman, not just another person, but another woman telling Kelly like, well, it's his word against yours. You know, like, you have to talk, speak highly of him mm-hmm. because the business matters more than oh, your right. worth, right? Literally, like, yeah. So, you know, Kelly gives a speech. He hits on her. She tries to leave. Like Mary said, it is incredibly obvious. But, the, yeah, that next day, I guess it is, or later that afternoon, I don't – I can't really understand <laughs> the timeline of what's going yeah. on here. <laughs> but at some point – Kelly goes to talk to Audrey about Dr. Monahan, and like the way that you can see Audrey, that like the actor's choice to like, I'm gonna try and get this word out very carefully because mm. I need you to understand what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, we are just gonna bury the story. And this woman is trying to be like, yeah, well, if you make a report, it's gonna go public. And if you don't make a report, it's gonna sound like I told you not to do it right like like I looked like either it's either going to look like I knew about it and didn't do something or I am also on the hook for it yeah and I just I hated it because it's so real that this woman says this thing to Kelly and that she basically is just like well I can't do it like I get it I can't do anything I know this is the part where she says like oh, this is your first job out of college and your first time working for a male superior and you file a claim against him. And I was like, I'm sorry. 
what? I know. It's like, what in what universe is that? I mean, I know in what universe, a man's universe, but like in what yeah. real universe should that matter? Like in what universe would that reflect poorly on her? Well, and if you think about it, doesn't it make more sense that like her first job out of college is to go work for a place where the only person in a position of power in the building at all times is a man who has, Mm -hmm. you know, these tendencies and she's the youngest person in the office. She has no experience. She doesn't know what to do. It would make a lot of sense that like she would be targeted as a victim. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's what the argument should be. Not, but he does so well and helps all of our patients. So like you really got to like drum up some money for him. Yeah. Like, yeah. I hated it. I hated it so much. And I do love that when, like, they get to the Christmas Eve party at Casa Walsh and Brandon comes home and she's like, you know, I had a really crappy day. It's better left, like, forgotten. Let's go to Christmas. Like, I do appreciate mm-hmm. that. Same way I do appreciate when she wants to leave the party at the clinic and Brandon is just like, what did he do to you? Where is he? Yes. See, that's that's what was killing me about – I'm glad you brought that up because, like, just as much as it was not in character for Brandon to be, like, I didn't know how wrong this would feel, it was similarly perfectly in character for him to want to go and bust down a door and beat the shit out of Dr. Monaghan. But listening to Kelly and, what, yes. and realizing that what is important here is not his ego and feeling dominant over another male who hurt his girlfriend, but listening and hearing what Kelly needs in that moment and respecting it and then doing it. Like that's, I think another reason why I hate that these two storylines are paired with each other mm-hmm. because it's showing a Jekyll and Hyde situation with Brandon and it's, It takes all of the good and all of the, like, really great things we, like, fell in love with Brandon about over the last, like, four seasons and just completely shatters it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If we're going to do that to a character, it needs to be, like, not just the A plot, but, like, the only plot. Like A hundred percent. I think if you're going to do everything you did to Kelly and Brandon and all this stuff put together – he like this should just be about him and Emma and Kelly as a triangle at some point he's going to bring in a confidant like he's going to have to deal with the like emotional torment of what he's doing to Kelly like it needs to be a huge story not just like a very romantic 20 second sex scene like that's not what we need here that's not what I want yep and totally agree and like this ending is just so I don't know. I, I how do I explain this? So the episode ends where Brandon has decided to be flexible on his roles and let Kelly open a present. It's very clearly based on guilt, everything that's going on in her life. You know, he just decides that they can open a present together before Christmas. And she's like, oh, well, I saw this one you've been hiding in your bag. It's got to be for me. And rather than correct her and say, like, it's a gift from anybody, like, Mm -hmm. do something. Say it's for you and it's from someone you work with or, like, you know, make it differently inappropriate. (laughs) 
accepting yeah, gifts right. from advertisers. But right, like he doesn't put together a coherent sentence fast enough to stop her from opening it. And she's like, oh, it's a man's watch. And he's got this deer in the headlights look of like, how do I explain giving her a man's watch? Which let me tell you how little I know about watches. I was like, I don't know that that's a man's watch. That's a very <laughs> small watch. I thought the same thing. Like just the, the size of like the face of the watch. Yeah. I was like, is it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I i don't know watches. I, if it was an Apple watch, I'd be like, I get that. Mm-hmm. But Kelly's like, oh, it's a man's watch. Dot, dot, dot. Extra little pause where Brandon is thinking he's been found out. I love it. How did you know? It's so bad. Like, I just hate that he's getting away with everything. I know. And, like, and it would have been great if, again, like, we extended this out and there was something where, like, I think we talked about it before as well, where there's like jewelry and the Joni Mitchell CD. Like, yeah, I really wish that there was something like that that had gone on where, yeah, like, you know, Kelly has been hinting around this thing that she wants and then she gets a man's watch. Right. But it's like throughout this whole episode, she Kelly does look like for the most part, she doesn't like pick up anything, you know, that's going on. But there are the occasional, like, huh, that's weird kind of look on her face, right? And I don't know. I just don't know how much I believe that she doesn't suspect anything. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know that I'm ready to believe that. I do feel like we've frequently given her the credit of, like, she can figure this stuff out. She's not dumb. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what's going on here that would make you think that you're getting away with this. Right, right. But yeah, from this last scene, it kind of feels like he is getting away with this, which is like, no, that's terrible. <laughs> she's been through so much. I know. She got shot. I just, she got amnesia. Now she's being cheated on. Like, and, and, and deliberately. Yeah. It's not even like it was like a, I, I don't know. It just, it, it, at this point... In, in the storyline, it feels like Brandon's almost doing this on purpose, which is so not him. But it's like, you know exactly what you're doing. You're putting yourself in compromising positions, literally and figuratively, mm-hmm. and you're lying when you could have stopped all of this. Like, you had every power in the world to, like, even if you messed up and you did cheat, you could still own up to it at any point in time. And you just keep mm-hmm. doubling down and doubling down and doubling down. Yeah, like... I feel like this is this is what we expect from like Steve. Mhm. But not Brandon. I just it makes me so mad. Even even David to an extent because of the stuff that happened with the um Ariel and uh Nikki. Yeah. Like that's the thing. It is a pattern on this show, but like mhm. No, you can't just get away with this. You can't just keep doing this. You can't you can't have the love of your life Kelly Taylor and then also cheat on her. Exactly. That's I just I was so mad at this episode. Like no one cares that Zach doesn't believe in Christmas anymore. That is not the show that we're on. <laughs> yeah. And like stop 
hitting Kelly with a bus and then backing over her repeatedly. Oh, like, my God. Literally repeatedly. It's like forward, back, forward, back. Like, they can't stop. And then no one even acknowledged that it's Donna's birthday. I'm just upset. I don't know why <laughs> that's getting to me. But like, come on, y'all. What's crazy is like, I was looking at IMDb earlier, and this is not a badly rated episode for this season. <laughs> I don't wonder. Is it like people were excited about the sex scene? I guess. Or like Emma, short hair, short for Emily Valentine, <laughs> is, yes. is like fun and, and I guess like I don't know. I can't like I, I have no qualms about the actress and she is committing. Like mm-hmm. I'll I'll give her that. But I'm like, I don't find anything about her attractive. The thing is, like, to an extent, I feel like they're doing like Val vibes with her where she's just yeah. like really manipulative to get what she wants. Mm-hmm. And like again, I don't think we'll get this, but if you gave this story more of the weight, I feel like if Brandon made his confidant Val and she's like, not even I would try and do like I have tried to mess you two up and it's not by actually trying to sleep with you. Like okay. I don't know. But see, that's more interesting. That's what I mean. Like this bores me. We could do better. And we had an extra 15 minutes of storyline if you just sent Zach to Christmas with his grandfather. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like, come on, y'all. And then, like, yeah, we don't have to do the – we could even do the Noah hates Christmas and gets drunk at a bar until he realizes it's Donna's birthday and then he decides to spend Christmas with her. Done. Mm -hmm. That was two minutes. And that's, like, honestly a little bit more interesting because Mm -hmm. it shows, like, dedication to Donna. It shows, like, appreciation for a new relationship. It shows a little bit of conflict, but also a resolution, like a real one, not just I'm going to force you to like Christmas because it's Christmas. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. There's just so many other and more interesting things that they could have done. Yeah. So more of the story, like I hated this episode. I'm sorry, but I hated it. I hate it. I the only quotes I wrote down are terrible quotes, like literally the I'll still be gay after Christmas. And then like, (laughs) it's your word against his. Like I wrote terrible things. I have no quotes. I can never pick a moment of the week. I couldn't even pick a petty gripe of the week because the entire episode is a gripe. Like I know. I don't know how you're going to do it. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say like, cause it's not worth it to just talk about all the horrible quotes, but I did actually like laugh a little like more of a chuckle out loud um to one thing it was when david and val are in val's bedroom and they have some small talk and then david worries like noah's not gonna believe their scheme or whatever and she's like well i fell for him when i thought he was a wharf rat and then david goes yeah but you also two-timed him with a millionaire and val goes well a girl's gonna have a backup plan <laughs> like yes <laughs> i I will say, like, that's probably the only part of the episode where I had chuckles where, like, yeah, they go to open the door and they're like, I didn't see anything with lace. Yeah. And then they go inside and he's like, I could wait for you outside. And she's like, boyfriends don't wait outside. They watch their lovers get dressed. <laughs> like, yeah, they do. <laughs> Ma'am. I just this love, is why love so much. Yeah, she's the best. Oh, my gosh. What about you, Mary? Did you write down any fun quotes? Santa's guts came out. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. 
Also, I love this idea that they're like, he didn't register it was a stripper. It's fine. And, like, he probably didn't. Like, <laughs> but I do look forward to 15 years from now when it's, you know, the early 2000s and we're finally getting okay with, like, mental health. And he's thinking about going to a therapist. And he's like, oh, God. <laughs> Just this recovered memory of stripper Santa. Those weren't Santa's guts, were they? <laughs> Um, the only other thing is just stupid Kelly Emma mirrored situations with Brandon when she just really wants to open a present early and she's like, oh, can't we cheat? And Brandon's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately after, he just, oh my God. Also, this like situation. Brandon is the most boring boyfriend ever to just be like, no, we can't open presents <laughs> early. <sighs> Fine, dad. Literally, Nate opened his birthday present five minutes after we woke up yesterday. <laughs> every t- every time we have a present giving holiday, John's like, I'm just going to give you your presents. I just want to give them to you. I'm like, Christmas is a week away. And he's like, yeah, but I just want to give them to you. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was the one that was like, happy birthday. Want to open your present? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Then he goes, you're the third person to wish me happy birthday today. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Apparently, both of his mothers, his mom and stepmom, beat me to it. And I'm like, what does this say? <laughs> yeah, but I was the first person. No, John was the first person to congratulate you on Nate's birthday. Damn it. That's true. That's true. He did. Mary, do you have any other quotes? Um, gosh, I really don't think I do. And I thought I had a moment, but apparently I just don't. It's a pretty shitty episode. I don't blame you. Yep. Yep. Like, we, we didn't even talk about the fact that Kelly and Emma agree that there are pig chip brains, pig chips in every man's brain. Like, this episode was full of stupid. Yes. Okay, well, we're done with it. Christmas is over. No one acknowledges that Donna is 22. It's fine. (laughs) What's next week? Oh, man. Okay, so next week we have season eight, episode 15, Ready or Not. I mean, it's Ready or Not, Here I Come, but, like, who is it? Emma? Uh, She just... (laughs) I'm telling you, she's got a sore wrist, so it's got to be her. (laughs) Brandon is just like, oh, God, please stop. Please let your (laughs) cross. I got nothing. I don't know. You can find out next week. And (laughs) until then, follow us on Instagram at back2podcast. Or send us an email if you would like to with any kind of comments. If you hated this episode, if you love this episode, please tell us why at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community and then we can give y'all a better product. And if you give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, 
I'm going to go start a petition to get Terry a raise and just give her the newspaper. I didn't see any purple A's. I don't think anybody did. I'm sorry. The watch stays on during sex. Bye. (laughs) Bye. See ya.